This is Hotshot Archery's Outdoor Podcast. The show starts in three, two, one, go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hotshot Archery's Outdoor Podcast. Logan Chartrand coming to you live from the middle of nowhere. I should have used air quotes um, with my live by the time you hear this. It won't be quite live. Um, but spending some time in this uh, quarantine period this weekend with my family, my wife and son up at our family property uh, north of Columbia, Missouri, and had a chance to get together tonight virtually. Luckily, we were made for this whole social distancing thing. We were doing it before it was even the thing to be doing. Um, so we've got Robin online to... Uh, Hopefully, we've got a story to tell, and last time we had a story to tell that involved Jackson, it went way better when Robin was talking to Jack than when I tried <laughs> to pull it out of him. Um, so we've got a story to share about that, and then wanted to give everyone a quick update. It's the week of April 20th. Missouri's turkey season has kicked off this week. Uh, lots of other states are also firing up, so want to run through that. And then, Robin, I believe you said you had a great question come in that you wanted to make sure that we covered this week also. Is that right? Yeah, I've got a great listener question that came to me via DM on Instagram. So we'll definitely talk about that. It's a great subject, actually. Awesome. I'm looking forward to diving into that this week and getting into some of those questions. Um, the last couple episodes were um, the first. You were on your way to Texas recapping your Nebraska hunt with Keith. And then in last week's episode, you, Keith, and Derek were northbound wrapping up your Texas hunt. And one of the reasons why I couldn't be on that particular hunt, I know we had talked about potentially trying to make that work, but that weekend that you guys were heading down to Texas happened to be uh, Missouri's youth turkey season weekend, and with Jack getting his shotgun for Christmas a couple years ago and being along on a couple turkey hunts and being able to see a couple turkeys being taken, there was no way I was going to say, no, buddy, I'm going to go down to Texas. And then after hearing your story, I'm probably glad I didn't. I would not have been prepared for those temperatures. Y'all would have found me cooked in a blind somewhere. Uh, yeah, we... We talked about that, of course, last week, but I mean, it was uh, a weird, I should say it's weird because it's kind of been that way every time I've been to Texas, but it's been a very wide range of temperatures every trip. And this one ranged from in the upper 30s, a couple mornings, all the way to a couple afternoons where we were. I'm sure over a hundred degrees in the inside the blind, you know, like low nineties air temperature. Oh man, I'm a pasty white kid. I don't tan. I burn. That would be. I'm not prepared for that. Um, but that uh, sucks. Yeah, that really sucks, it, right? It, it really did kind of suck. Yeah, to be honest, uh, especially when uh, m our bodies, you know, we're not, we're not acclimated to that kind of heat yet from just being at home, much less being down there and really the first morning I was pretty darn cold in the blind. And then by the third afternoon, it was, I mean, I was in shorts and, you know, the bare minimum shirt to cover my white skin up in the blind and drinking two and three bottles of squincher and plus a bottle of water on top of that, just in an afternoon nut. And talk about dressing in layers or packing appropriately for a hunt like that. Holy cow. 
Yeah, exactly. But the good news is, uh, while I was gone, I was getting texts from you guys and uh, hearing a little bit about Jack's turkey, but with everything going on and everyone's so busy, I really haven't got to hear the story of it yet. So I'm going to get to hear it for the first time along with the listeners. So I'm pretty pumped up to hear about that. But I would say, Jack, to get started, let's remind the listeners, how old are you now? I am 11. And you're in what grade? Fifth. Okay, so 11 years old in fifth grade. And this was going to be your first year trying to do, to be the hunter on a turkey hunt. Is that right? Second, actually. Oh, second. So I've got it a little bit wrong. But I know leading up to this, like you did some practicing, right? You, before turkey season even got here, you and your dad had been out and you were practicing with your gun and getting ready, right? Yeah. So why don't you tell everyone what, what your gun actually is what gun are you shooting for turkeys i am using a mossberg 20 gauge nice and so in your practice sessions how far did you decide was going to be your max distance like how close did you decide that you needed to be 25 yards so 25 and less what did you end up shooting your turkey at 20 in that area it was probably right around 20. 18 to 20 yards. I mean, not super far. We probably, well, you'll find out here. Uh, I don't want to play in a sandbox too much of the story, so I'll stay quiet <laughs> while you guys run through this and make sure that we hit on one of the key points. Okay, so we kind of got that out of the way. Jack, why don't you just tell me, like, what did you and your dad do, say, the day before the season started? Did you guys go up to the farm the day before and – do some scouting or listening and like get ready? No, we had done our like normal Friday routine. Well, not normal, of course, while being in quarantine, but just finishing up school and work. And we headed up Friday night, actually. So, so you had done your scouting like the weekend before or something, then, right? Yes. I got gotcha. you. Cause I know I saw your dad posted a picture of the tree that you guys got ready for your hunt because the holy I understand grail right that tree hunting. has some history correct yes yeah so how many turkeys has been killed around that tree so far do you know uh nope can't uh, take a guess man i would say it's got to be probably close to 11 that have been shot within 15 yards of that tree or somebody sitting within 15 yards of that tree yeah, so just one of those spots then. Hey, it's crazy, and it's like you would never, I never would have guessed it. I think we were as surprised, I'm still surprised that this particular spot year after year is as consistently holding turkeys as it is. So why don't you tell me, Jack, like what time did you guys have to get up, and what time did you get out in the woods? So we woke up at 5, just kind of doing our Things that we do before hunting, just eating a little bit of breakfast, doing all those essential things. And, well, we actually got out to the blind around 6. Just got ready a little bit after 6, maybe, but it was just, we sat down and 
right at sunrise, just we heard them start gobbling. We heard distance one at first, and then one, Dad called back, and just one of them fired up real quickly right close to us. Nice. So you and your dad are sitting there. You already have turkeys gobbling. And sounds like your dad gave some calls, and they answered. So you're probably starting to get pretty excited, I bet. I was shaking when the distance one started calling, but it that was that was because it was like twenty six degrees, nerves and just cold and excitement. Yep, cold and excitement make me shake. Also, in fact, everybody makes fun of me because yeah, I just get out of control with it sometimes. Oh man, we were both shaking. I mean, I can't hide it. I had I was trying to keep my leg from shaking while we were sitting there waiting. It was just so I still get. So super amped up with hearing birds gobble. Yeah, there's not much better sound in the anywhere, but especially in the woods, than a gobbler gobbling when he's on the roost before daylight, isn't there? Nope. Especially when they're gobbling at you. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, so like, how how was it going? Like starting to get more and more light. And I imagine at some point your dad probably said something like he heard him fly down or that he thought that they were starting to be on the ground. Is that right? Yeah, we kind of, he stopped calling and like we heard a few fly down, like away from us down to a big field we have on another property right next to us. And so we just stopped calling and they continued to gobble and just on the ground and it was some of them were still up there and we could tell that some of them were calling from the ground and just we didn't realize that the two turkeys at first that came in on to us that we didn't realize that they were there just at all oh so you were hearing birds gobbling but with the ones that eventually showed up and you shot one of those too as i understand it yeah so you didn't actually know those were headed towards you is that is that what you're saying no it's just out of the corner of his eye he just saw the the head bopping up and down and we thought they were going to come at an angle to us through this little opening but they just we didn't see him come through there and then they just pop up like almost right in the logging road that we have like 25 yards and they were starting to kind of angle towards us oh i see so you weren't exactly ready probably right you had to figure out how to get ready without being seen yeah so how'd that go uh it was difficult while shaking just trying not to to move the gun a lot and just trying to be really still just it was difficult So. The turkeys show up, kind of, you're kind of surprised because you still hear some in the distance. All of a sudden, hear some turkeys, and I'm sure your dad is saying, like, whispering things to you, and your mind has got to be yeah. going, like, a mile a minute right now, isn't it? Yeah, it just, there was no thoughts that I could actually process going through my mind. Just <laughs> So you got your gun up, and, like, just walk me through it. So you... You're taking your time. You're trying to go slow. But somewhere in there, I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to guess in your mind you knew 
oh crap i actually did it now i can shoot one is that right yeah i knew it you know how i knew that because the first gobbler this spring that i had come in that thought went through my mind oh crap i'm actually gonna kill this one and it got me so excited that i let it all get the best of me, and I totally blew the shot. But you didn't, though, because I know you killed one. So tell me, how'd you keep it together? Like, what's going through your mind? Just kind of walk me through so, everything that happened after you got your gun up and you knew that when the, you had a clear shot, you were going to pull the trigger. Tell everybody. Basically, when I was faking, I just curled up in a ball against the tree, kind of leaning into my dad and just... We waited a few seconds for that front one just to get out just enough to where he was on his own. And just the click went off in my mind. It was like, this is the shot. Don't mess this up. Yeah. So. And so you pulled the trigger. And then, like, what did you see? Like, you pulled the trigger. What happened? What did you see? A black blob fall down on the ground. And then just kind of. Nothing was in my scope. I could just hear the second one run off. And just this flopping noise. Ah, uh, the old flop. So did you jump up and grab it, or did your dad? We waited a few seconds just to let it kind of do its own thing, shake. And when we got up to it... Are, are we... you talking about the turkey doing its own thing and shaking, or are you doing your own <laughs> thing and shaking? Both. <laughs> So this is all like really early, right? What it was because I know I got a text really early. It was so, like like this happened quick. So sunrise was like, at like six twenty, and I shot the bird at seven. Yeah, so legal nice. shooting hour started at six twenty. Sunrise was at six fifty, and ten minutes after legal sunrise, holy cow! Get ready, bud. They're right here. They're coming in. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you grit, you get up, and you grab it, and like I'm just assuming it's your first turkey. You're in just total disbelief. You don't even know what to say or what to do. No, we and I bet, and I bet your dad was exactly the same way, wasn't he? We were just shaking each other. Yeah, it just it was like shaking like cold really cold at the time yeah, it was cold that morning too it was it wasn't just it adrenaline it was mostly adrenaline but it was really cold that morning yeah i know i can i'm sure your dad's talked to you about this but i'm just gonna tell you that i guarantee you you will i don't care how many turkeys you kill the rest of your life you will never ever forget that first one and how the whole hunt went every detail i bet i won't i just know you won't i don't know how many turkeys i've killed but it's a whole lot of them but i can remember every detail of the very first one i killed Absolutely. i can remember how many times i moved trying to call him in i can remember the first time i seen him i can remember when i shot and ran over and grabbed him i can remember carrying him out how far i had to carry him and i couldn't wait to stop at the farmer's house and show him and i just remember it all and i know you're gonna remember it all it sounds like it's just 
an exciting hunt and like a near perfect hunt. Another one added to the tree. Yeah, absolutely. Another one for the tree. Man, that's really awesome. Congratulations from me. And I know the listeners are listening. And and I, I'm, I'm telling you, Jack, like there's listeners seriously smiling right now, hearing your voice and hearing you tell about this, like, because it's just so cool. Thank you. <laughs> he just sat back like, yeah, I know. I'm pretty amazing. <laughs> so are you going to, so I, I forget, how does the use tags work? Do you still get one more tag that you can use in the regular season? Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to go back out. You don't yeah. think you're going to get a chance. I know that you guys really don't have all that many turkeys on your farm and you're not sure you really want to kill any more off there this year, but so you're not going to try to find another time to get out, but I know you're looking fo- forward to the next season though, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to see pretty- with his youth tag, he can't, he can go along. Um, so I may take him with me, but he can't hunt again until the second week of season anyway. Similar to how we would be if you shoot one in the first week, you're done until oh, that second week. So he's done until the second week of gun season. And we'll kind of play it by ear. I've been doing some scouting. He went with me on Good Friday. We scouted. Um, a public spot that I knew of. I went out this morning and did some scouting. So we'll see. I mean, if we did see some turkey sign today when we were out running around, lots of tracks and stuff. So there's they're using it right now, but I, I don't know if we're going to hunt it again here. So we we might try the hard way and and go the public ground. I know we've talked about it in the past that some of a lot of our success is due to having ground with birds on it. So uh, we're going to try the the difficult thing and and do some public ground and uh, hopefully it's not overflowing with people or too crowded due to everyone else being off work or quarantined or trying to socially distance. So we've got a couple weeks here, um, I guess at least one full week before he's heading back out with the gun in his hand. But as soon as we both can, it's going to be back to primarily, let's see if we can get him to fill his second tag. That would be That'd be pretty cool. I've only done it once in my life, and if he does it in his second season, I'm gonna kick his butt to the curb. <laughs> yeah, especially. Kind of hope in Missouri, I do, but at the same time, our I don't. season's a little bit late, so it kind of. I, I get. I I feel you for getting later in the season. It gets pretty tough, but maybe he can get it done. We'll have to see. Can't can't shoot him if you're not out there trying, right? Yep. Yep. Wow. You uh, you have definitely grown in the amount of words that you use over the, the last several months of this podcast, buddy. I have a vocabulary of 100 words. <laughs> also, yeah, that is the story of Jack's turkey. Anything that we didn't cover on that, Jack, that you wanted to brag on yourself about or make sure that we, we talked about when it comes to your first ever turkey? <laughs> okay awesome well again awesome use of your 100 word vocabulary there bud robin you Thank mentioned you. earlier the um you had a question that was dm to you about um roost sites hunting near roost sites wanted to dive into that because again being in the heart of turkey season i still want to try to get through a bunch of these questions that have been coming in i left my laptop at home this weekend but um Fill us in on this question. What exactly, when it comes to hunting roost areas, what was the question? 
the question was, uh, would we take the time to talk a little bit about what distance I like to be from the roost trees? And it actually went on to specify I'm especially that this person was especially interested in the strategy for Texas. And uh, this was on Instagram. And of course, I was posting pictures you know, pretty much live front during my hunt. So that's how the person knew I was in Texas. So that was his question. How close do you get to the roost? And especially how does that affect your strategy in Texas? And so uh, for me, the answer is very dependent on where I'm at, meaning what state I'm at. Um, and, the, and the reason is pretty simple because uh, as you and Jack know, Logan, that in Missouri, we have to stop at one. And so afternoon hunts and the evening roost, they don't mean anything to us here in Missouri. So um, for me, a morning hunt, I actually prefer to be well away back off from the roost. I don't like to get really tight to the roost. Um, we've talked about this before. Very seldom has a fly down out of the roost come in and get killed situation worked out for me. Like I could probably count the number of times on one hand. In fact, that timing of that Jack and you just described, like that's a pretty quick hunt. Oh, and I haven't, I haven't had very many of those. Crazy quick. Yeah. Um, so, so in a place like Missouri, I'm going to Illinois tomorrow and I'll be hunting Illinois for, the next two or three days or until I kill one, same thing, got to quit at one. I'm going to probably be at least 200 yards away from where the turkeys are roosting. I want to be in the general direction that they've shown me they want to go when they fly down. And so my strategy is to back off a little bit, let them hit the ground, let them start moving, and then hope that I can get them to come to me because I'm already at least semi in that direction. But flip, flip that around a little bit. Uh, in Texas and Nebraska, when I can evening hunt, I like to be pretty close to the roost um, because I'm trying to get birds that are filtering back to that roost. And if I'm winding a hunt down or, I'm, or things have been really tough and like I want to be super aggressive, I'll be within sight of the roost sometime. And especially in Nebraska, like I don't like to be that close unless it's my, my last afternoon say. Um, and that's paid off for me many times because being that close to the roost, um, same thing in Texas, actually, uh, you know, you could count on some birds going to be an earshot when the evening starts winding down. And it just seems like that time of day, if one hears you, he wants to come he wants to get the fight with the decoy, and uh, it's worked out good for me. So evening hunts close, morning hunts far. I don't know how that jives with your strategy, Logan. Well, and yeah, I would say I don't hunt a lot in the evenings. I've hunted a couple years out in Kansas, and um, it has been really pretty much just like you mentioned. Before that, though, mornings, af afternoons, whatever it is, uh, maybe both. Do you have a preference if there is terrain features? Do you want to be above or below a turkey in the morning? And do you want to be above or below a turkey 
in the afternoon if you're hunting do you have you seen one work better than the other when you have terrain to work with uh i think in missouri and in any hunts where i've been hunting like more hardwood ridges and less crop fields or pastures being above them seems to be better but i guess coincidentally most places that i hunt now are usually creek bottom type terrains and so there really isn't that up or down choice for me except in nebraska and actually my choice is always down there because the properties that i hunt they roost like on bluffs and they always fly down to the adjacent fields and so that's just kind of a a different situation like i know they're going to fly down to start with so i start down but um that's not a great answer but it it's kind of a depends quote unquote depends answer right yeah i would tend to agree especially missouri too i think if i had to pick one if i could be where the birds wanted to go in the morning when they flew down regardless if they're flying up the ridge or down the ridge to fly down out of the tree I would be below if they're flying down and I can get where they're flying down to, especially where we hunt because they fly down and then they'll hit the Creek bottom on our side, hop across the Creek and then go out into the neighbor's field and strut all morning. I would absolutely be below a bird. If I knew that I could be where it was going to fly down any other time than that, I would really rather be above the bird. It's all anecdotal. I've never done any scientific research, but my dad taught me when I was first turkey hunting or starting to turkey hunt that, you know, it's easier to call a bird uphill than down and it's worked a lot of times. So I figured why challenge it? Uh, when it comes to roost though, again, with you, I think anything inside of 100 yards is really, really close to the roost in the morning. Uh, turkeys have great ability to locate sound. So when you're within 100 yards of their bed and you start to call, they know exactly where you should be. And when it starts to get light, they're able to usually from up in the trees, they're able to see that 100 yards or so. So I really like to try to put some cover between me and the turkeys in the morning. And, you know, 150 yards probably is where I have found the most ideal success. It seems like they respond better and will come towards me more in the mornings when I'm at about that 150 yard range or so, um, as long as I'm somewhere where they can hear me calling to them. And again, I think that's where being above them seems to help that call is going to carry a little further, uh, afternoons. I like to get in the few times. I think we've had one or two days last year that we hunted in the afternoon during youth season. Um, obviously got it done in the first 10 minutes, first 30 minutes sitting at the tree this year. Uh, I like to be real tight in, and when there's terrain, I actually like to be below. For where we hunt and how the ridges and the creek bottoms and fields lie, you would think that we've got some really steep ridges. You'd think the turkeys would want to get up there and pitch off into the top of the tree, but we got absolutely skunked in those couple times. The turkeys where we're at will be down in the creek bottom, and they'll hop up into 
some sort of tree. So they'll go maybe 10 or 15 yards up the ridge and they'll hit a branch in another tree. And our turkeys kind of hopscotch their way up into the tops of the trees. They don't just like fly right up into the top branches. So in the afternoons where I've been able to, I want to be below them if possible. Um, Again, I want to be below that roost tree because they're going to come in, usually in my experience, down low, and they're going to hop up into those roost trees. So I'm with the sake of time on uh, my side in that particular case, if I can get in real tight to the roost tree and not spook them out of there, I'm definitely going to get in tight. And I think that even talks to that 150 yard range. I have sat up against a tree that had a bird in it and that hunt didn't go well for me at all. Um, I got, <laughs> yeah. I've been I, within 20, 30 no yards about that. I've got so many times where, I've accidentally, you know, ended up under one and that's never went well, even though I've done it and not been picked off. Like, you know, he's above me. Goblin doesn't know I'm there, but it's just never worked. It's hard to call to them because if they can see if they're right there, you're not going to call. So you're just hoping that they pitch down right in your direction. I've never had success inside of that hundred yard range. Jack, you look like you're trying to say something for once. So. With being in within 100 yards, do you think a blind could change that for you? Well, I used to think that would be the definite ticket for success. But um, now that I do all my bow hunt, all my turkey hunting with a bow, I mean, out of a blind. Pretty hard. I've had many, many times where I've been well within sight of the birds in the morning. Like I can look out the blind and see them and I know they could see my decoys and they're answering me and they still, they do whatever they have on their agenda for that first 30 minutes once they fly down and it's never worked for me. Do you like, so you said you were hunting with decoys, but do you prefer hunting with decoys or just not hunting with decoys? Jack doesn't yeah, really I, listen to our podcast a whole lot. <laughs> well, it's still worth answering, I think. I, my answer is, um, if I'm gun hunting, I prefer to not use decoys. And But when I'm bull hunting, I definitely always use decoys. And the reason for that is because with a bow, I want them to come in really close and have their attention on something else besides me. But when I'm gun hunting, all I need to, them to do is getting to come in the gun range and then I can kill them. So um, that's really my answer is bow hunting for sure. Decoys gun hunting, not usually. Okay. That was just something that I would think that popped into my mind. Do you have anything else that you would think to Anybody else would pop in on the floor or pop in? Well, me and your dad's been trying to answer questions just like that every week. And um, I'm glad that was a good question and it was worth answering again. We've had that answer before, Um, but I, I like answering it again because it's kind of a hot topic on social media and hunting pages and Some people don't understand why other people want to use decoys and other people don't understand why someone wouldn't use them. And I think that there's nothing wrong with either using them or not using them. You need to do at least 
this is my answer. I'm going to do whatever is going to lead me towards success. And I'm not going to care what other people are doing and whether they approve, quote unquote, approve of my methods or not. Whatever kills the birds. That's right. I think you guys, you talked about it a little bit too with the Texas trip. Uh, Maybe it was Derek or even all of you. um, But I I felt like I recalled Derek saying something about how the posturing Jake decoy was almost a little too much for him and he had to pull it down. So it's about the, the decoys that you're using as well, not just decoys or no decoys, but making sure that you have the right kind of decoy out there for what those, what mood those birds happen to be in whenever you're hunting them. Yeah, that was that was great for us to have, you know, we have between the three of us a pretty big arsenal of decoys and a lot of different poses and postures. And uh, that decoy that he took was the new posturing Jake. And it's really aggressive. Just if you recall, you know, in our interview with Dave Smith, he talked about it. And, um, you know, there were so many Jakes on that ranch in Texas this year. It was it was really crazy. Like, uh, you know, just like we talked about it, it, literally having 18 Jake's in sight, you know, within 40 yards of us a couple different times. And they're just That's that posturing Jake, it was just too much. So we had to go pull down the aggressiveness of our decoys. And, um, that ended up working. Uh, but now, you know, Derek, he'll be hunting, here real soon in indiana and he's going to pull that posturing jake out and give it a try there because it's a totally different situation yeah i think even with east i think rio's just in general it seemed to be that way those jakes will gang up last year the year before that when i was out in kansas we watched a group of jakes chase this poor long beard all over this 400 acre alfalfa field i mean just non-stop would not let the definitely more mature bird go but there were just so many of them it was almost like hyenas or something how they all gang up and it's like okay once we're all together we're like the freaking voltron of turkeys here or something so yeah anywhere i've been whether it's texas kansas missouri um nebraska and all parts of nebraska all, all the different species up there anytime that i've been around groups of jakes i've seen that where a group of jakes will be become the bullies of mature gobblers and um I, I guess it's just the confidence they gain in in numbers and being a gang a gang of bullies you gotta do what you gotta do to survive i guess uh, yep you mentioned that you were going to be hunting illinois there's a story about this that you and i have talked about that i want to make sure that we cover this week so we're uh it's what april 18th right now it's saturday uh missouri opens on monday the 20th illinois opened friday you didn't get a chance to go out friday and weren't able to hunt this morning (laughs) i want to hear a little bit more on the podcast here about the story of why you weren't able to go hunt this morning because it was like just a circus of events that (laughs) were just telling you you are not going turkey hunting yeah i it is odd that I have an Illinois season that is only six days long. And the first two days I went by and I haven't went yet. The first day I skipped just because the weather was just going to be horrible. And it didn't end up being horrible. It was like 90% chance of rain and heavy rain in the morning and throughout the day. And that did shake out to be true. So I didn't feel bad about missing that day. 
Um, but this morning I didn't go because as you know, because of our text conversation, when I was packing my truck up, I was going to be going alone, which I don't go a whole lot alone, uh, just because usually someone's with me videoing or at least along to help. And I have a healthy amount of equipment when I'm bow hunting and have a blind and camera equipment, a tripod and a chair and decoys. And it's really too much to just throw on my back. It's not impossible, but it's really difficult. So I have a, a baby stroller that I use. I've turned a jogging baby stroller into a hunting buggy and um, it's all camouflage. I got a bow um, rack on it and it, it really makes it slick for me to take my blind and decoys and camera equipment and bow and just wheel it in there. But last night as I was loading the truck up, I noticed I had a flat tire on it. So I aired it up and within 30 seconds, it was flat again. And, you know, here we are in a, a pandemic national <laughs> crisis where stores are uh, really short on hours and closing early. And I didn't have any way to get that tire repaired. So I was either forced to decide to be a pack mule and make a couple trips or skip this morning. So I actually skipped it. I actually, uh, was lazy and old and i didn't get up and i didn't go hunting this morning even i got up early this morning i i said last night before we went to bed i was like i'm not setting an alarm but if i get up early i know the two of you aren't trying to get up early and i don't want to just sit in the cabin and try to be real quiet for a couple hours so i think i was up at six and out the door and i went out and Said, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Missouri Recreational Access Program or MRAP, something like that. But my dad found a couple pieces that are 15, 20 minutes away from our property up here. And I went out and checked them out. Apparently, it's this setup where uh, private landowners can open their ground to public access for certain activities. Like the two tracks that I took a look at today were. Um, small game and turkey hunting, but they have some that are wildlife viewing or just fishing. But apparently you can go online and there's maps of where all these places are across the state and it, they must get some sort of grant money. I didn't do any research into this. I probably should have before I started talking about it. Uh, but you can just go in, you sign in almost like, um, to me, it's like if you sign in to go duck hunting somewhere, you got to put your information down and drop it in a little box when you get there and then fill out the other half when you're leaving. But it was super cool. Didn't see, I heard some turkeys. I saw some way off away from the property. Um, but I think that's something too that I might even look into a bit more as I'm trying to expand some of my turkey hunting spots is trying to find some of these pieces of big private ground that are open to public access and not just the the typical conservation areas. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with that, but I do think that's just been around for uh, two or three years now in Missouri, and it's very similar to the Kansas walk-in hunting areas. And um, I think I'm sure there's some listeners that know that way better than you or I, and you already know it better than I, because you've at least went and visited a couple of those areas. But I think you're right. Those are probably some uh, really uh kind of hidden gems probably and i know in kansas i've utilized those walk-in areas a lot and they're it's a it's just a fantastic program because 
it's really turning public or I'm sorry, private ground into public ground, but typically it's not overcrowded and you don't, you're not competing with a bunch of people trying to utilize it like a traditional state wildlife area. Right. And then I kind of figured as I was out driving around, checking these things out, man, if I'm in an area where the type of people who live around here are willing to say, you know what? Yeah, I'll open up this chunk of ground to some public access. Like this would be a primary to go around and maybe even just go door to door and like, hey, I'm in the area looking for access to some property or however you would go about asking. But I'm like, if this is generally the kind of people who live around here, it might be worth a shot to even just stop if it's not on this public access ground and see if you can get access to it. I think that uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised it the success of door knocking to get permission for turkey hunting as compared to how difficult it is for deer hunting um we've talked about a little bit on some of our other shows where i've headed to kansas and i've headed in nebraska and not had a single specific location in mind at no destination and managed to get on private ground and be able to hunt in both states without too much trouble, really. I don't get very many no's in those states. Uh, and uh, the bottom line is that just not the amount of people out there and not the amount of private landowners that care. Are you there, Robin? I think we might have just lost you, man. All right, so this might be, uh, this is definitely a hotshot archery uh, outdoor podcast first. We we just lost our co-host um, on the phone, so um, that's kind of a bummer. Jack, you got something? I want to go ahead and, and wrap this up since we just lost Robin, but go ahead with your thought, bud. It's not really a thought, but just I did just look at some. This podcast has not one single review that is not a five-star review. Well, fantastic. I appreciate you uh, doing the research for us here on the show and make sure so. Um, that is actually a great segue into the end of our show. Thank you all so much for the support, for tuning in and listening. It means the world to Robin and I. We'd love to be able to at least bring you our insight, our information. Neither one of us think it is the absolute right information. It's We're just sharing what's worked for us. So Appreciate you all tuning in every week. Continue to subscribe if you haven't already. What in the world could you possibly be waiting for? That's Robin texting me like, hey, probably going to go ahead and wrap this up and go to bed since he's hunting in the morning. Uh, but make sure that you've subscribed. If you've already subscribed, tell your friends to subscribe. It, it really helps us out here. Continue to give us those ratings. Check us out wherever you're finding your podcasts. Um, we would absolutely love to hear from you as well. So you can find us online at hotshotmfg.com, Instagram and Facebook at Hotshot Archery. Shoot us a message, comment on our posts, or you can email us podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com. Let us know if you've got questions, concerns, show ideas. We'd love to hear them. So thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you again next week.